0: Hi, and welcome to Recovered, a podcast from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Dallas, Texas, and known by many as Maggie's. Each week, a recovered alcoholic woman is interviewed and asked questions about certain topics surrounding her journey of recovery with your host, Stephanie Crawford. Whether you're in recovery yourself contemplating giving it a try or just supporting someone who is we are so glad you're here thanks for listening
1: all right good morning podcast listeners and next up participants and graduates my name is Stephanie Crawford and I'm the program manager here of next up as well as the host of this podcast recovered interviews with alcoholic women so Fun fact, our guest today was in your seat when we first started ever doing these podcasts. And if I remember correctly, she was a part of it before we, before it was even a podcast. Like it started off as like this thing in COVID because we were like looking for ways to connect and all this other stuff. And. And so like, I, you know, heard this meeting idea somewhere and I was like, oh, I'm going to do that for next step anyways. And so it, it just started as a way for women to connect with other women and people loved them so much. They just were like, can you start recording them? And I said, sure. And then now it's this podcast. So Michelle was there from the jump. And so how cool is it that she gets to be from the audience to podcast guests? Just a few nice words about Michelle. Um, She is probably one of my favorite human beings on the planet. She has so much like, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Pizzazz for life and fire for the program. And I just remember being in Next Step because I was back when I facilitated groups and like just learning so much from her like whenever she would do her step presentations and when she would talk and, you know, one of my favorite stories, I'm sure she'll probably talk about it. Um, if she doesn't, I'll ask her about it. Um, but like, I it's just, one of those people that like, you see them shine so bright and you're like, who's your sponsor? Just like, so, so awesome to watch. And now like we get to be friends and she, It's just so amazing. And I know that you guys are going to get so much out of this. So Michelle, if you don't mind just introducing yourself and giving us a little bit of background information on yourself and what led you to get sober.
2: Um, Well, hi guys. My name is Michelle and I'm a very, very grateful recovered alcoholic. And I love Stephanie. Stephanie, I love you so much. (laughs) Um, You help, she helped me like, man, she helped me through some hard times, but a little bit about myself and, you know, most importantly, there's a line in the book on page 158, it says, and in finding God, she had found, well, I'm gonna read it as she, she had found God and in finding God, she found herself. So um, that's kind of, you know, my motto. I have been praying about this, um, that God would use me as his vessel today and to help, um, you know, you ladies. My primary purpose is to carry this message to those that are still suffering. But just to qualify myself, um, real quickly, I came into the program in 2001 as an atheist. Um, I found God, you know, on 45, it says, higher power, which will solve your problem, you know, and he did. And as long as I did the work, (laughs) and of course, I go in and out, in and out. I'm going to get to the end here. I always knew I had issues with outside substances. I never was convinced I was an alcoholic and I held on to it to the very end. It's a progressive disease and it was very progressive in the end. In the end, I am laying in a bed, drinking, blacking out, passing out and booze hidden all over the house. Um, my family pours it down the drain I, and hides my keys. I grab my wallet, take off running, buying booze, hiding it everywhere. You know, my daughter, uh, and I'm going to get emotional because I, a big part of my story is my family um, and my two girls and my daughter's standing over me. She had gotten braces and she was going they were going to be on for five years. And we had planned this day. Um, it was February the 3rd. I remember it. She was getting them off. I couldn't go because I was drunk and she comes back and she's standing over me and she's got this beautiful smile and she's telling me I'm ruining her life. I was ruining everybody's lives. So I ended up going to treatment. I, that phenomenon of craving was so strong that I left two treatment centers back to back AMA. They kept taking me somewhere else. And I kept leaving and trying to go buy booze at the second one. I am not, you know, my family's done. I'm not getting it. And I'm laying on the ground. I actually crawl up under a bed, which is crazy. And I'm laying on the ground, you know, like just God, please help me. Please help me. I don't know what's wrong with me. I cannot get this. Um, I'm hurting everybody and and I take off on foot that night. But the crazy thing that happened is I am, I don't even know where I am. I'm somewhere in Fredericksburg and it's, um, I'm on some ranch. So there's nothing around me and I'm walking towards these lights and I turn on this road and the policeman pulls over. I'm throwing up only because I'm just completely hysterical. I want my booze. You know how that goes. He calls an ambulance to come pick me up. And I had a sweet nurse and a sweet policeman. I called my husband. (laughs) I'll never forget this. My daughter had a golf tournament the next day and she had to be at the school at six AM. And I told Brad, it was like two o'clock in the morning. I told my husband, hey, I need you to come get me. I'm in, you know, I'm at the ER. And he's like, what? And I'm telling him, I left because they were being mean to me, you know, that whole thing. My husband, I told my husband to give my 15-year-old daughter the keys to my car to get herself to the golf tournament, and he needed to come take care of me. And I was, I mean, that's how sick I was. And my husband said, Michelle, I am not doing that. I am done. Figure it out. And he hung the phone up. And I was like, whoa, I'm screwed. You know, for the first time, um, he, he's one of us. So he was always, um, you know, understood what was going on with me. And I probably used it, manipulated it. But for the first time, um, I knew that I had to do something. I had um, been to a meeting that night and this is my book and I had a girlfriend um, and she wrote her number in the back of my book and she lived there in in Kerrville. Came and got me and she um, got me some things that I needed and she got me to another treatment and that was the hand of God. I had prayed for that earlier. I had prayed for God to help me and he got me into a treatment center, um, there That could handle some things. You know, I found a sponsor who had serenity, freedom and peace, and I wanted what she had. And I just grabbed a hold of her so tightly um, because I knew that the program worked. I knew that God was the answer and working these steps was the answer. And um, in the beginning, it was me walking around all day, repeating to myself, stay present in the moment, stay focused on God, stay present in the moment, stay focused on God. Because my mind was just crazy with all of these things. I realized that I didn't know anything. I had no idea how to stay sober. I had no idea how to live a life without substances. My sponsor just kept, I just kept following her instruction. I did what she said. You know, I came, I was there for um, 90 days, like 30 in treatment and then 60 um, at a, you know, in an IOP type setting, sober living. My daughters weren't talking to me. Um, I wanted them to talk to me so badly. I would call only these gut-wrenching messages saying, I love you. I miss you. Please talk to me. Please just call me. And my sponsor said, stop, stop calling them, Michelle, and let God deal with them and let them come back on their own time, which was foreign for me because I wanted to control everything. Um, I was all about control and it was all about me. And, you know, I would um, come home from treatment in the past and be like, I'm sober now. Everything's great, (laughs) you know, and they're like, it's not great. And this time they were pissed. I remember when my youngest daughter did finally talk to me um, and she's living with her stepdad, her stepdad's doing all of these things for her. Neither one her dad's an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. um, Brad's an alcoholic too, but he's sober at the time, you know, and she was so, she has a lot of like, I really know the damage that I did and I didn't realize it, but when she finally talks to me, she was very grown up and she said, mom, I don't want to talk about you. I don't want to talk about your recovery. Um, I want to talk about me. And I was like, okay. And, and, you know, um, she said, and I don't care, um, how long you have to stay down there, but don't come back until you're done. And I was like, yes, ma'am, <laughs> you know, and she was the parent most of her life from eight to 15, uh, almost 16. I drank alcoholically. Um, and then I, you know, came back from Kerrville and it was very. I had worked the steps, and you know, Katie is a great sponsor. I love her, and I knew that I needed to find somebody to work with um, because I knew that's what I needed to do. Because when I was in treatment, I I journal a lot, and I try to listen to God and not, you know lip service. And one of the things that he really impressed upon me is Michelle, it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. You have to work this program and you have to help other women. I knew that's what I needed to do. I'm home. Um, COVID's hit, everything's shut down. And I, what am I doing? I'm stacking away twenties in my wallet. When I go to the grocery store, it, I'm starting that relapse thought. And I'm not comfortable in my own skin. You know, I'm just very kind of irritable and restless. And I have this moment of clarity out on my front porch. And um, I said, God, it's not, relapse is not an option. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? Show me what I need to do. I mean, because I was willing to do anything. And I came in and I know in, in the book, it says, um, you know, Bill will call the preacher. So I called my brother-in-law and God said, never it is preacher. He thought I was crazy and delusional. But anyways, and so I called my sponsor and told her what I had done. And I said, Katie, I just, I'm in lockdown. And she said, well, I have a friend of mine that was my roommate in Maggie's because she went to the Magdalene house. I called her. And it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I screened for Next Step. I talked to Stephanie and I was on pretty quickly. I didn't have to wait long at all that, that afternoon. And I'm here to tell you guys, Next Step was amazing for me. Y'all are in a great place. You know, I did the check-ins every morning. I, you know, tried to participate always. It taught me how to carry the message, do a foundation meeting. And some a lot of things happened while I was in Next Step. Um, my husband relapsed. He had nine months and he relapsed. I remember calling my sponsor and I was like, Brad's drunk, Brad's drunk, Brad's drunk. And she's like, I don't care. I want to hear about you. You know, how are you dealing with this? Because Brad is Brad and God's going to take care of Brad. And Michelle just needs to stay present in the moment and stay focused on God. And, you know, that was the best. I mean, my sponsor is phenomenal. She's helped me through so many things, but that's what she taught me. Michelle, get out of the way. And let God deal with Brad. And that's what I did for the first time. And he drove off to treatment with somebody I barely knew. I didn't hear from him for three weeks. Wow. When Michelle gets out of the way and lets God work. My husband now works for a recovery center. He's about to celebrate. Well, I guess I'll have two years in February and have two years in June. Our life is amazing. Um, And I'm just so grateful for the program. And I carry the message. And I have a sponsor that has a sponsor. I remember when I was coming back from Kerrville in May-ish of 2020, and I had this thought of, um, you know, I want to be, I, I have a degree in sociology and my intent was always to go back and get my LPC up to be a counselor. But I, you know, I was like, okay, everybody that goes to treatment wants to be a counselor, right? <laughs> and so on the way back from Kerrville, I started praying and I said, God, this is what's in my mind but I don't know if this is what you want for me. And I said, if you want me to go back to school, you're going to have to open some huge doors because I really need to hear you speak on this because I really need to know if this is your will or mine. He started opening big doors and I get choked up because uh, when you seek him, he does amazing things. You know, I had a horrible GPA with my undergrad um, I wrote a letter about my addiction and who I was, and I was transparent. I'm in grad school um, now to become counselor, and it's just amazing. I have severe dyslexia and ADD, and I pray for God, God help me with this. Pro- help me prioritize. Help me see what I need to do in school, and he just does. He's amazing, and my life uh, is definitely... My sponsor kept telling me when I was doing the work because I kept talking about the past, when I was in treatment, she kept telling me, Michelle, it's going to be better than it ever was. It's going to be better than it ever was. And she told me that all the time and it is better than it ever was. So, <laughs>
1: ah, so good. I mean, y'all, I don't know if you guys are feeling inspired already, but I am for sure. I just, I've, I've seen so much of your journey that like, I don't really know where to start. As far as questions go, because there's so much that I think is important to talk about. One of the things that I just want to clarify, though, is whenever Michelle was calling the preacher, she was looking for another alcoholic to help. So like that's like desperation, right? Like in next step, we're like, what are you guys doing to uh, help other alcoholics? What are you doing to like make yourself available for sponsees? Like that is like some dedication, right? Like really searching out somebody to help. And I just think that that's just amazing. I know I definitely want to talk about the relationships with your daughter and stuff, but I think I might, I might wait. Can you, you briefly, mentioned coming in as an atheist do you mind telling your like step two experience Mm. uh, because now you have such a powerful relationship with God oh just like seeking him out to help you with school I mean it's just amazing but you didn't you weren't always like that so do you mind just talking about that briefly please
2: No, not at all. My mother was youth minister of her church. So I grew up knowing about God, you know, and and going to church and that kind of thing. However, when I was 18, she got cancer and um, died when I was 18. And it was absolutely devastating because I couldn't understand, I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that a loving God would take a woman who was committed to him. You know, I'm thinking on this religious spectrum, And so things started getting worse and worse and worse for me in my life. And I was like, there's no way there's a God. Um, I remember my sister getting baptized and she wanted me to go. And then afterwards, she told me she'd been praying for me. And I said, the belief of God is the root of all evil. So I told her and she broke down crying. And it's amazing to me that God loved me after all those things. I am, I'm about to go to my first meeting. Um, because uh, my oldest daughter's husband had just gotten out of prison. <laughs> and He's like, you need AA. And I was like, I don't need AA. <laughs> and um, lo and behold, I did. So I'm sitting um, I go to this group and it just happens to be a group that, you know, a, a lot of the women that sponsor the ladies there go to. And I'm in this meeting and they're talking about one, two and three. And it's on page 45. And I love this page. Um, and it talks about lack of power. It's our dilemma, you know, and I'm following. I'm like, yeah, I don't have any power. I don't have any power. <laughs> and so, um, you know, this says this book is about where and how to find that power. And um, it goes on and says, this is, you know, um, find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. Great. Solve my problem. That's awesome. And then it goes on to say, and this means, of course, we're going to talk about God. Right when they said that, I threw my hand up. I said, I don't believe in God. They said, you don't have to, you just, or they said, it's your own concept of God and you just have to be willing. And I was like, literally, okay, I'll try anything once. That's exactly what it said. You know, God loves me so much because my relationship with him began as an intimate father type daughter relationship. And that's what I have in this program. And it's grown into a dependence because, uh, I've tried so many times to live without him. Um, and it doesn't go well, but I remember my very first third step. It was really foreign for me. I was on my knees, um, in a church, you know, with my sponsor and we're saying this prayer and I stood up and she said, I mean, God has an umbrella over you. He's catching the rain, get busy with the rest of the work. And, And I started seeing his hand everywhere. It was like somebody just ripped, uh, you know, like, shingles fell off my eyes or something, these blinders. And it wasn't a religious, it was a spiritual experience. You know, it was the first time I had ever relied on God. And I, because of that experience, even when I'm sick, you know, when I relapse or go back out and want to do things my way, um, I could still hear his voice. And I would be like, yes, I just want to do it my way right now. And he would say, who's your God, Michelle? And I was like, booze you know that, because that's what was going on alcohol was my master it says that in, in Bill's story and, and that was absolutely true God was still there talking to me but man, what's crazy to me I get so uh, emotional when I talk about God but what's crazy to me is that he meets you wherever you are and, it, and um, if you work this program to the best of your ability it's this intimate loving relationship and he will guide you uh, you know we have lots of talks. I'll I'll be about to say something, and I'll hear this little voice. What's your motive behind saying that, Shell? I was like, "Uh, not good." <laughs> then don't say it. <laughs> but yeah, it it was so it was a beautiful relationship, and it's been going for a while. But it's amazing that what he can do whenever you make that decision. And step three is just a decision. I used to overcomplicate that so many times, thinking that I had to have some big epiphany, and it's just not the case. I'm making a decision to prepare to go on a journey with God, you know, four through nine is preparing for this journey. We're cleaning, cleaning up the wreckage of our past. And then steps 10, 11, and 12 is where we're actually on a journey with God.
1: I love that, that like little breakdown that you just did too. That was amazing. And such, such a beautiful story. Okay. I kind of want to, I don't know. I because the relationship you, with you have with your sponsor is so great, and I remember um, whenever you told your story the first time, I heard you talk about how your sponsor would be like, Michelle, quit talking. <laughs> and, and I was like, Oh my god, that's so great, but my little feelings would be so hurt. Um, So can <laughs> you can you just talk about that part and just like how like that was kind of like some tough love and why you needed it. And like, why, you know, do you know what I'm asking? I know exactly
2: what you're saying. I think okay. that God, uh, like, I truly believe this God prepares a, a person for us, um, to guide us through the work. You know, that's why we all have different personalities. And, and my sponsor, it was like, I saw her, we're t- she's way younger than me. Um, she's, we're very different people, but she is, is perfect for me, you know, and she's, she's a loving. But direct, and she must have told me five hundred times. Because if you guys could have seen me in the beginning, I was asking a question before I ever finished the first one, and I was worrying about—I was, you know, worrying about where I was going to live, what I was going to do. I'm, you know, I'm here in treatment. How's all this going to play out? My kids want, and, and she's like, "Stop, <laughs> stop." And she's the one who kept telling me stay present in the moment and stay focused on God. And I finally learned, you know, what I started doing was stopping talking, you know what I mean? And I started listening to her, you know, I remember (laughs) doing, I I don't know why I'm saying this, but whenever we went to do my fifth step, one of my fears was telling my sponsor everything, you know, I just had all these, these crazy thoughts and, and things. And, but I wanted what she had, and I was willing to go to any lengths to get it. And so that demanded rigorous honesty. And what she's always told me is she said, Michelle, um, a lie will take you back out. She said, we don't have the luxury of lying So I demand, you know, it's got to be rigorous honesty. And that has always stuck with me. And like, so I'll lie to her, you know, a little white lie and I'll hang up the phone and I'm like, oh, I'm going to drink over that. I'm going to drink over that. And I pick up the phone and I said, I just lied to you. (laughs) She just laughs. You know, our relationship in the beginning was very, you know, she, it was like, she was just trying to keep me on task and keep me focused and teach me these little principles and get me through the work. What she taught me was that, you know, the only thing that's going to keep me sober is God and that, um, stay present in the moment and staying focused on him, be a woman of integrity. You know, when I got up from my third step prayer, she said, "And um, what does it mean to be a woman of integrity? And, you know, so beautiful because whenever I went to make my men's to my youngest daughter, I said, I want to be a mother of integrity. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I want to do it. I want to show up the way I'm going to should. And, you know, she had me, you know, do a so differently than I've ever done. I mean, she, um, God truly put her in my life. But the cool thing about what's happened in our um, relationship is that we've become friends. She shares some of her struggles with me. She's always, she's one of those kinds of kind of sponsors that I'll call her. And I know that I'm being selfish. And I know all this stuff and I know I have, or I have a right to be angry, you know, all those things. And I'll call her to tent step and she'll go, I get it, Michelle, I get it. But, you know, and she'll share what she's hearing. You know, I, I see that you are, um, wanting what you want. Do you think you're being selfish? She says it very kindly and we just have a, a beautiful relationship and we talk, you know, twice a week on the phone. She's in Kerrville, but we talk on the phone. And um, even if there's nothing going on, you know, I send her my nightly reviews. Stephanie helped me with my nightly reviews. <laughs> I, I, but I do want, uh, you know, on my phone and send them to her. But yeah, it's like, I've never had a, this good of a sponsor for me. You know, I truly believe that God put her in my life for a reason.
1: Mm. I, I also believe that like a sponsor relationship is like divinely inspired. Absolutely. Okay. Do you have, I should have asked, prepared you for this, but do you have the, um, like the poem that your daughter wrote? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs>
2: um, absolutely. I love Can this. you,
1: because, you know, like in the beginning, like you were saying like your daughter, your daughter was telling you, you're, you're ruining her life. I know she didn't speak to you, you know, like I've, I heard you, you know, cry. Like another daughter had said, like, mom has never been sober around my kids. And I saw you for every day for like three months. I like, I know how much your, your children mean to you. And so from going from, from that to where you are today, can you just talk about the process that That led you to where you guys are today, and and do you mind sharing what your daughter wrote? Is that okay? Uh,
2: I haven't pulled up. um, So yeah, it was a really uh, dark time. Whenever they weren't talking to me, and I had to just surrender. You know, I'm powerless over my daughters. I'm powerless over lots of things. (laughs) You know, I, you know, thank God I had that Katie was a sponsor for me because she really taught me that. She said, um, let them come to you. And when you're with them, do not talk about yourself. That was the big thing. Do not talk about yourself. Do not talk about the program. Ask them questions. She goes, Michelle, it's time for you to show up as a mother. And that hit me real hard. Whoa. You know, when I first came home, my youngest daughter was having, she was having nightmares every night about me relapsing. She literally is suffered from some PTSD from all of the years, you know, she was that hero child that took care of me and she never got to be a child. She says something to me the other day, um, we were in the car and she said, mom, I don't know how to be a normal teenager now because I've always taken care of you and Brad, like, you know, so little by slowly, she was very angry, you know, and what she needed was to see me work in the program it wasn't about me talking. It wasn't about lip service. It was about me showing up, being engaged in her life and being there for her. Same thing with my oldest. My oldest is, uh, she'll be 30 in um, August. And she had just a very, you know, hard, rough life um, of me. You know, I was had outside issues and drinking when she was growing up and she, um, when she finally did call me, she was it took her the longest. And she has two of my grandkids that I just adore. When she finally called me, I didn't talk about myself at all. My sponsor had prepared me for it. And uh, it was on my birthday and I just asked about her. And then her and the kids ended up coming to Kerrville, you know, doing uh, swimming in the Guadalupe and stuff. And I started to slowly rebuild and they were watching me. Um, they were watching my actions. And because it's not about, you know, I'm a good talker. I'm a master manipulator. Um, but it's all about showing up for people today. It's all, you know, um, being of maximum service to God and those about me when I'm out of myself and I'm doing that, um, I get all these rewards. My daughter, uh, my, I did make an amends to my youngest. And I just want to, I want to share one more thing before I move on my relationship. With my husband, he is was is a very bad alcoholic as well. And our kid, my kids hated him. My sister hated him because of the things he did and when he was drinking. When you work this program to the best of your ability, and you really do this thing, and you trust in God, clean house, work with others, the things that happen. My sister, we were at a pep rally, and my sister sat beside Brad, and not me. I mean, it's miraculous. You know, she talks to him. My kids love Brad. He's kind of, you know, Patty Lee's said that Brad's more of a father to her than her own dad. And Mackenzie calls Brad every time she, when she's got a problem in her house or or car, you know, but it's just crazy because I never thought um, that we would ever heal. And it's just crazy when I get out of the way and let God work. But here's the tumbler. Anytime we went anywhere, mother had her tumbler in hand. And before I start, guys, my daughter wrote this um, short story for a class, a college class, uh, dual credit class. And um, she wrote it on. Oh, it's so crazy. I just realized that she wrote it on 2-5 of 2021. My sobriety date is 2-7 of 2020. So this was right before my year. Um, But it says anytime we went anywhere, mother had her tumbler in hand. Anytime she got drunk, she took a gulp out of her tumbler. Sometimes it made uh, it made it worse, sometimes better, and sometimes it made her sleep. She liked to be alone when she drank from it, but she always liked to be alone because she always drank from it. She uh, used to go weeks without it, and then she couldn't go an hour. The tumbler began to make her anger worse. It, uh, it never helped, but nothing did. We begged her to stop. We pleaded that she was killing herself, but in her eyes, she didn't do any wrong. That was until one summer day when she lost her tumbler and uh, had no way to get another one. She was forced to stop drinking from it and went insane. We all thought the tumbler was making her worse, but we didn't know this would happen when it was gone. She agreed to get help from something other than a tumbler. She was gone for two months, coming back, Uh, only to have surgery with a pill bottle in hand. We thought she was better, but she fell even deeper into her pill bottle than she had fallen into her tumbler. She then bought a new tumbler and her pill bottle and tumbler never left her hands. She lay in bed.
1: So I think that just like gives so much hope, you know, Uh, because I know like whenever I was, whenever I was getting sober you know one of the things that people would tell me all the time is like well your daughter's so young she won't remember any of this Mm -hmm. you know which doesn't make it any less painful by the way it still is very painful to be away from your child but I think you give so much hope for the mothers who are like I've done this to my kids their entire life Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and just the power of this program and like the relationships that God can restore is it's just amazing
2: before we move on from the family on yeah I'm um, going to bring up one thing on page 124 um and I love this this is one of my favorite pages because it's hot ta- it's you know with the family afterwards and it's like Henry uh Ford once made a ri- wise remark to the effect that experience is a thing of supreme value in life that is true only if one is willing to turn the past to good account we grow by our willingness to face and rectify errors and convert them into assets. The alcoholic's past thus becomes the principal asset of the family. And frequently it is almost the only one. This painful past may be of infinite value to other families still struggling with their problems. And then I'm gonna skip down a little bit. And it says, clinging to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have the key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. Just love the part about becomes the family's principal asset because I'm getting choked up again. My, my daughter sat on the chair uh, a couple of months ago and she said, mom, I'm so glad you guys are alcoholics. I was like, whoa. And she said, because our family is so good today. And she said, And she kind of she watches and compares it to other families. And you know, when you practice the principles in your home, recovery is infectious, and it bleeds on through to everyone in the house. Uh, She actually is very loud about our (laughs) past, and to other kids, she she helps kids at school. Um, She is, uh, I think she. I'm not going to say this for sure, but I think she's talking to a woman about working the steps in al just so she can help others. She has a real passion for that because she's like, there is hope, you know, I went through this too. It's so cool how, you know, I was the sick one, but when I'm sick, the whole house gets sick. When I get well, everybody gets well, you know, it's like recovery homeostasis.
1: <laughs> ah, I love it so much. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I love the direct. I mean,
2: you know, my sponsor was very adamant. You know, you get to show up as a mother. You're not going to show up as your alcoholic. You're not going to talk about your alcoholism. You're going to show up as a mother. You're going to talk, ask them about their lives. You're going to engage in what they're doing. You're going to watch movies with your kids. You know, do things that mothers do. And you know, I mentioned earlier when Patty Lee she said, "I'm so used to always worrying about you. I don't know how to be a teenager." <laughs> you know, um, but she's learning and, um, you know, she's leaving for college next September or, or August. I'm just, I, it's going to be very, I'm going to be an empty nest.
1: (laughs) Michelle, you talked about, you said, I did amends differently than I ever did before. Do you have a particular amends story or anything that you want to share or like what was different this time? I have a lot of amends stories (laughs)
2: that were, so, um, you know, Katie, had me do the steps um, in a, in a way, you know, she had me really write things out first off in my inventory. And, and I got to tell you guys this too, on the inventory, I was so tired of feeling this way and I knew what worked. I sat down and did my inventory in a day, busting it out. I'm getting through this work and I was rigorously honest and I get to the part, you know, you know, I mentioned that I was had a fear of telling my sponsor everything and, you know, she had me write it out. So, I'm afraid of telling you everything. Why? I mean, what happens when you don't tell me everything? Well, I get drunk. What happens when you do tell me everything? I have peace, serenity, and I'm doing what I think God would have me. That's God's will. That's that's step three, right? In action. So I'm doing those things. And one of the fears that I, the reason why I didn't want to tell her everything is because I have. I have issues with outside substances, pretty much anything that changes the way I feel I love it, you know, and I'm going to do it to the nth degree. And so I had, you know, so I don't know, you never have this, but I had basically taken something that wasn't mine and I'll leave, you know, and it was with, from a woman that I truly loved and adored and I had a very intimate relationship with her. You know, we were really good friends and, my sponsor knew this woman and she's she's very close to her. And so I just I just you know told her this is what I did. And I was so afraid to make an amends. And she had me do it, and I'm on the way to make the amends. And I am, you know, uh just uh saying, God, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. And it was all fear-driven. I had caused so many problems. It was just, you know, it was a big amends, and I'm I'm driving and I'm like, I'm doing this surely out of obedience to you because I want what this book offers. I get there and it was one of the best amends. It was the first time. So this time around when I'm working the steps, I'm going to be honest with you guys. A lot of the time I was going through the motions because I knew what would happen in the end, but I was not having that spiritual experience yet. And, um, you know, uh, when I got to her house and I started, and I did this emotion, we both just cried and it was so healing. And I've had truly the presence of God, you know, and that's whenever my sobriety really turned a corner. I, then I, another big one that I made was with my youngest daughter. Woo. I think I told y'all a little bit about that. Uh, and you know, of course I started crying, and. Today, she'll tell me, because I've made a big point about being a mother of integrity and showing up the way that a mother should. I said, I've been a source of chaos, drama, and instability in your life. I've been selfish. I was wrong when I drank again. You know, I said, I haven't been a mother of integrity. I haven't shown up in the way that a mother should. And I even said, I have not been a very, I have not been a good mother. You know, very honest, very direct. Today, she'll sometimes she remembers that and she'll say, you're a mother of integrity today. (laughs) So it's a big thing with us. And then one more, I have one more that I really got to tell you about. I had stole, you know, outside substances from my stepdaughter because I was, you know, I'm like a crazed lunatic pretty much when I'm not in the program. And I'm on my way to make this amends and something comes over me because I always pray on the way and I just start sobbing. And I just start crying out to God. I was like, God, I have been so wrong because I'm seeing his hand and I'm seeing what he's doing for me. And I'm just, you know, um, so grateful. And I'm, I'm like, I, I have been so wrong and I need to make an amends to God. And I had a very intimate amends with God. And it was like, wow, you know, gratitude came up um, and just thankfulness, you know, I haven't been, I wasn't the mother I should have been. I wasn't the wife I should have been. I wasn't the stepmother I should have been. And I get to do that differently today.
1: So beautiful. The whole time, whenever you were talking, I was like, I am so lucky that I get to do this for a living, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. You know, I get to like talk to such inspiring women every week who are like, I'm like, as soon as I get off this call, I'm thanking God. As soon as I get off this call, Um, praising God right like just Mm -hmm. like to feel so inspired by the women I talk to it's just phenomenal and I hope everybody who listens is having that same same reaction to this conversation we're getting to the top of the hour but I do want to ask you about sponsorship and working with others. Um, can you just talk briefly about your experience with that before I ask you the wrap up question?
2: Yes. So, um, you know, I, when I was in treatment, that's one of the things that, you know, I was journaling about that God was revealing to me is that you, you know, cause I, <laughs> I have this crazy past and if I can use it to help somebody, if God's using me as his vessel to help somebody, wow, that's like blows me away. And so that's my primary purpose in life today. And what I found is that when I am <laughs> carry the message, which I carry the message once a week, um, I have a commitment, but when I'm carrying the message, I'm, I'm not, they're helping me. You know, it's like, I'm blown away. I can be in the absolute worst funk go, go to a treatment center and I'm blown away. You know, God just, it's like a spiritual experience. There's nothing like sitting across from a woman who is hopeless and giving her some hope. It's like, wow, sponsorship and carrying the message is something that I have to do. Um, it's, it's detrimental. I have several sponsees. It's so funny. I have, um, one sponsee that was my very first sponsee. She's still my sponsee, which is so cool. And I, we kind of laugh sometimes about how much I've changed in my um sponsorship. Cause you know, you're finding your way in the beginning, you know, sponsorship is about walking shoulder to shoulder. It's, you know, uh, sharing and guiding, you know, I have some great wa- women that I get to sponsor and it's a uh, it's so, it's so funny. I was on a, um, a meeting with one this morning and uh, she said something I had said that I had forgotten about. <laughs> I was like, oh, so, you know, it's reciprocal seeing the fruits of recovery until I incorporated those things in. And I'm going to do a little next step up here, but because it really teaches you how to one, two, three, how to guide someone through the work. And I, and I love it. You know, there's a line on page 64, and it's when Bill and Bob were leaving. Um, uh, I can't remember. I think they were leaving Ohio, and they had just started a little group there. They were like, "Don't leave! Don't leave! What are we gonna do without you?" The next, he says, um, "But I'll tell you, for me, my truth is that I didn't really, really start fellowship you crave. And you know, whenever I'm saying present in the moment, saying focused on God." He sends me the women that I'm right for. You know, I am so blessed to, to get to work with wonderful women. And it is truly, truly a blessing, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll throw this in there. I'll tell you guys this. Um, for me, being a sponsor is absolutely detrimental. I have never had, um, I've been in the in and out, in and out. I've worked this up so many times, and I was always a box checker you know, I didn't want to be inconvenienced to work with women or, you know, I didn't want to go carry the message or those things, but it is um, a must for me today. And it uh, has really changed everything about recovery. So I want to talk about my my favorite step is step one. And the reason why is because I never fully conceded to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic. I, I couldn't, I could manipulate my way out of the first two, you know, those two questions on page 44. But, um, you know, it says on, um, you know, uh, we had to concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. Um, The delusion that we could drink like other people had to be smashed. And it finally got smashed for me. (laughs) So, so the amazing thing was this time in treatment, I was at a hard step one. Like, I always had step one here, but I didn't have it here in my heart. To me, my husband says it, and he's right to the T. Step one can't just be knowledge. Step one has to be an emotion that I feel, and it has to be 100% for me. That's what it, how it worked for me. And I was 100% at step one for the first time in my life. There was absolutely no no lurking notion that I could drink like other people. The delusion was smashed. You know, I didn't know what it was going to look like. I knew that I could never drink again because I was I was actually scared to drink again because the phenomenon of craving was so strong this time. It's a progressive illness and it was so debilitating um, that I was petrified. Um, So I started, you know, working these steps. And the cool thing is I love in the book where it says it uh, has placed us in a position of neutrality over alcohol. See, God's restored my sanity around booze. I absolutely know I can't drink like other people, and I don't try. I have no desire. Um, when I'm at an event, you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter loves wine, and I'll be sitting on the couch with her. She's drinking wine, and I, I absolutely have that position of neutrality today, um, and it's so cool. I did not ever think that would happen. I love step one. That's my favorite step, and it's because Finally, took it from here, and I felt it in my core.
1: Michelle, can I just tell you something? Yes. So, when I chair meetings at when I lead meetings at Maggie's, literally one of the things I say I stole from one of your step presentations, which was which was the um, the definition of being restored to sanity, which is I know I don't drink like other people, I don't try to drink like other people. And I don't care that I can't drink like other people. Like, it doesn't bother me. And I got that from you, which is so cool, right? Like, we just learn from each other. I don't know. But I want to ask the wrap-up question, you know, and I want to also just say to our listeners, if y'all have loved this, please uh, leave us a review and let us know. Like, the reviews really do. And this is for, you know, you guys who are on the live audience. The reviews really do help us reach more alcoholic women, which is what we are trying to do. We are trying to give hope to the alcoholic woman that is suffering. And then I can't even tell you like, we've gotten referrals from Maggie's um, to Maggie's from this podcast because they heard the podcast somewhere and they heard these women and how happy and joyous and free they were. And then they found out that. You know, these services at Maggie's were free and like, and so like your review makes a difference. I cannot say that enough. It's not about the listens. It's about the women that we can help. And so like, if you feel like this podcast episode has been inspiring to you, it's going to inspire somebody else. How selfish of us not to share that. Right. So. Uh, My wrap up question for you. Also, if you've loved this, please screenshot this episode, upload it to Instagram. Let us know what your takeaways are and tag the Magdalen house. You know, I just, we just love to see it. And you know, somebody else might need to to hear it, um, hear those same things too. So Michelle, if for some reason my phone freezes, Mm -hmm. I love you so much. And this has been amazing. (laughs) If you could lead the listeners and our next step participants and everybody else with one takeaway, like if you don't hear anything I say, hear this, what would that, what is the takeaway that you'd want to leave us with?
2: There's so many that are coming to mind, but you know, um, grab a sponsor who has what you want and let them guide you through this work. I, I was completely hopeless you know, a uh, helpless state of mind and body. Um, and I doubted that it would ever work. But if you work these steps to the best of your ability and on step 11, spend some quiet time with God, you know, um, and listen to him too. He will guide you. If you seek him and on, on that intimate relationship, he will appear and and he will show up big for you. And I, my one other thing, I'm, I told you I had too many You know, I talked about it a a little bit before, um, you know, steps one through three are like, you know, we're making decisions and we're making the decision to go on a journey with God. And in four through nine, you're cleaning up to prepare for that journey. You know, you're getting rid of all the things that are blocking you from the sunlight of the spirit. Don't stop before you get to 10, 11 and 12, because that's where it really happens. That's where the miracles happen. If you if you work this program with a desperation of a drowning man, you will absolutely get the results.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much, guys. I will see you all later. We're having a next up workshop today at eleven, so I might see you guys again there. I love you, Michelle. This was fantastic. Love you.
2: Thank you. Bye.
1: Have a great day.
0: This podcast from the Magdalen House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no cost. You can learn more and support our mission at magdalenhouse.org.